Hey, welcome to our third episode of Broken Pieces, a Brookside Community Church production where we want to discuss how our local community of believers has sought kingdom diversity in a reconciling way through the power of Jesus Christ. My name is David Cedarquist, and I'm here with Andrew Neal, and we wanted to take just a moment today to discuss a follow-up from yesterday's uh, sermon from 1 Samuel chapter 8 about uh, Israel wanting a king and really how it relates to uh, this very divisive election that we are kind of entering into and how much uh, we are seeing so much division among the body of Christ, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, yesterday's sermon was packed full of things, but I know that there was a lot more depth that uh, you could even go into, um, but we, we were constricted by time. Yeah. And so we, we wanted to take uh, a moment today and kind of share some of those thoughts as we've continued to process this conversation as pertains to the election. But maybe why don't you give everyone a, kind of a recap of yesterday's sermon? Sure. Yeah. We really delve into First Samuel chapter 8, where um, Israel was a group of people, God's chosen people, and they were chosen by God to be governed as a different particular people. And I kind of went through yesterday, talked about how the division we're seeing among the body of Christ is just astounding, how uh, people are attaching themselves to political leaders and giving allegiance to them and, and calling other believers who think differently not believers. And there's so much judgment and ridicule around this election, especially when it comes to specific policies of abortion or how wealthy, uh, how the wealth are taxed. And, um, you know, when you go to scripture and try to seek information about how uh, to really uh, understand this political exercise that we do every single four, every four years and every two years. Um, the Bible does not say much about who governs us. Um, it really speaks of the kingdom of Christ and what God was doing to redeem his people. And when you come to chapter eight, um, Israel before this was always governed by a monarchy that had oppressed them or controlled them. But at this point, they wanted a choice in the matter. They wanted to set up a king. And so they went to Samuel um, and they said, we want a king. And Samuel was totally uh, not in agreement with this. He said, this is wrong. Uh, this is not the way God created us as it his people. We are meant to be the salt and light of the earth. We were meant to reflect the authority of who God is in all of life because when it comes to God, he's not an authority that imposes his power on us. He just is the authority. He doesn't have to exert that kind of power. And so Israel was always governed by a gracious, merciful God. But now they were asking for a king that was like all the rest of the nations. And so Samuel went to God and he prayed and he said, God, have mercy on these people. And God told Samuel a very surprising answer. He said, obey the voice of the people. And Samuel's like, what? Why would we obey the voice of the people? And he said, obey the voice of the people. But Samuel, give them a warning. And throughout um, verses 10 through 18, Samuel then warns the people of Israel, that if you choose to have a king, 
then you are choosing oppression. You're choosing slavery that he will take your sons and your daughters and your land and your part of your, they will tax you and they will take part of your plenty and your land. And, and ultimately you won't have the freedom that you had with God, but in God, in, in, as God is their King, uh, they were all, everyone was acting on their own intuition and their own way. And so things were very chaotic, but God was still on the throne and he was still King, but they wanted a human King to bring organization, um, and establish a new kind of government that would allow for all this chaos to go away. But, but God specifically said that you will never find a King that will not abuse the power that they've been given. Because every human king will always abuse their power. And I think what we concluded yesterday was that God never meant us to be lorded over or governed by a king, by a human government. And Israel wasn't patient enough because God said there was one to come. There is one who was to come. And it was Christ who was coming to be the true king of Israel. But Israel wasn't patient enough. And so they wanted to establish their own human government. And we see all through scripture how government has failed over and over again. Um, but the, God was always pursuing his people back to himself through a relationship of faith. And now because of Christ, it's faith in his son to know him. And so as kingdom followers, how do we, how do we live in this system of government that we know so well, right? But we also see that scripture very clearly says that we're not supposed to have a human king. Like there shouldn't have, we shouldn't have someone that has that kind of power in our lives, right? And so we kind of did kind of really spoke about how we need to reclaim our kingdom citizenship, how we need to really evaluate how what trust we put in human leaders. It could be bosses, it can be mayors, it can be um, pastors, it can be uh, civic leaders, it can be even our president. How much, how much weight do we put in that relationship for the protection and the security of my family and the people that I love um, or is my allegiance in the one who I can trust to truly protect us and to guide us in this very chaotic world? And But also, it doesn't remove us from the democracy that we're called to be part of, that we are called to be part of the democracy and vote for the one who we feel best represents uh, the, the kingdom of God. And it's not about one is better than the other. They're both evil, right? Because they're human beings, right? But in the end, we're choosing a political candidate that best represents what we believe the kingdom of God looks like. But it, we're not held to that, right? Because we still know that no matter who, what leader gets in place, we can trust that God is fully in control and whatever comes, God will have his way to bring more people to come to know him and the beauty of his kingdom and that his kingdom will expand across the world. And so really that was the premise of yesterday is that, you know, this, this, we need to, this, this election should expose the fact of who we truly are trusting and who we assign allegiance to. And if it's not Jesus, the name above every name, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. If it's not Jesus, then who is it? And so as we strive to be part of this democracy, we still have to participate, but we do it in a different way. We do it with our allegiance in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so that's really what the context of the uh, the conversation was yesterday. Yeah, and I think like where 
uh, I, I picked up on it and where I think this conversation can kind of help define and maybe answer some questions that others have off of it was this idea of how do we then participate in this democracy, knowing that our allegiance isn't to any of these political leaders uh, that we're going to be voting on uh, tomorrow in, in the election. But in that, you know, for, for, for people like me, uh, who have uh, maybe some baggage in their past with um, a certain you know way that that my church uh, when I was growing up portrayed politics, which was like there there are these very divisive issues, and I think even Joe Biden has thrown this out in his campaign of this idea of like this is a fight for the soul of our nation, right? And it's very high stakes, and if 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 I'm not on the right side of the issue, then. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not participating in the right way. I'm not putting my flag in the ground uh, for for what is Christ-like and what is God-like, uh, and, and what are the kingdom principles that we should be standing on. But it seems like with with the sermon that you've given yesterday, and um, even what you've started to talk about today, that there may be a different lens through which we need to be looking at these hot button issues, mm-hmm. and there may be a different way that we need to participate in the political process as opposed to trying to like go out and overturn Roe v. Wade right. or get my favorite political candidate elected. And if that doesn't happen, woe is me. All is right. lost. So in your mind, like what, what do you see as um, really modeled by Jesus, how Christians today should participate in the political process? Yeah. I think the greatest mistake we make in our faith is that we really believe America was built as a Christian nation. We really believe that we believe that America was launched as a Christian nation. And we talk about as Christians that we're trying to reclaim our Christian heritage. But what do you do with these European whites who came over the sea and oppressed the native Americans who this was their land, how we have made everyone the other except for us. And as our world becomes more diverse and it becomes socially responsible and people begin to realize the systemic racism that's built into the system, it's very unfair to our black and brown community and all these things, you begin to realize, like, how can you even say that our government was established two, 300 years ago to be a Christian nation and to say that that our our nation was built on Christian principles, I believe it just perpetuates the lie, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if you believe that we're trying to reclaim Christian principles, then you believe that we had something that I'm not sure that even existed. So no wonder churches are fighting for policy changes in the government and fighting to lobby for certain Christian principles that they believe were in, in embedded into the government system, but were they really embedded in the government system? That's my question. Because I think when the churches started to become uh, the, the political right, they tried to, tried to make themselves, embed themselves in the political process, I think that was the conversation, but now that we look at the system of government that we have and all of these unjust things are coming to light, I think even millennials and even people my age are questioning, how can you say as a church that we are in a Christian nation when I'm not sure that's what that's what we are? Mm-hmm. What do like, you think? Of that? Like, like uh, you know, I, I think we can all agree that 
um, there were founding fathers who were Christians that helped to establish this nation. But the reality is, I think what you've shown through the sermon and through looking at First Samuel is any form of government that isn't uh, God's government, the way right. he designed it with, with him as king and Lord of all, right? Right. Any government that is founded by man, that is run by man, is broken. Right. And, and it's not going it's to It's their work. best effort right. to allow for government. Because when God was in charge, when God's people were lorded over by God, what was the standard? It wasn't a constitution. It wasn't the, the, the laws that were passed by judges. It was God's law, the Mosaic law. And when Israel was judged, they weren't judged on some human effort to try to make society work for themselves. It was based on God's law. And that's why judges were established throughout the scriptures before kings is because the standard was God's law. And so for actually for Samuel to be asked to establish a king, they were trying to establish someone like them to actually alleviate the laws that were God's laws so that it would be maybe a, a better way for them to live. And yeah, maybe there's some controls and some consequences, but in the end, when you look at a kingdom minded individual, if you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and he changes your life and comes into your life, we are actually called to a higher calling than even the system of government that we submit ourselves to, that we actually live under. And so as we live in the kingdom, us as believers should look as if there is a higher calling on our life than even this government. But unfortunately, I feel like We've surrendered our allegiance to this government and said, well, that's all we're going to get. And so we're going to fight for what's right in this political system. And we've, be, we've made it our idol to make America great when really there's nothing great outside of the kingdom of God and Jesus who now rules and reigns over this world. And so how do you transition when you know that you're under this political government um, and, and, all, and, and all of these ways that you've learned growing up, but then you come to know Christ and you realize that your calling is higher and you call to this kingdom that is much different than you know of in this American system, right? Then how do you actually function as a believer? That is the question we have to ask. Because I think it is very different how you function in the kingdom than you do in this government of America that is striving for prosperity and power in this world. Yeah. Well, and I think like the hard part is there are still these hot button issues yeah. that, that do relate back to morals. Right. And, right. and that, that I think Christians are wrestling with and, and, you know, for, for the longest time we, we have kind of danced around those issues. I think over the last four years, people are becoming more brazen and addressing those issues. But, you know, I, I think a great example is, um, this conversation on abortion. I was, I was telling you this earlier today, you know, my, my story, I, I was adopted. Um, there, there was a, a very real possibility that my birth mother could have had an abortion. She was young. She was raped. Um, if anyone probably had a reason, uh, not to go through with the pregnancy because of a difficult situation, she was someone who could have done that. And I grew up, um, being able to wield that story into a certain narrative uh, because 
you know, I was part of a, a very aggressive pro-life movement where I would, I would speak to groups about the dangers of abortion. And, uh, I was there outside of abortion clinics protesting and I held the signs for the pro-life rallies and, um, helped advocate and, and lobby that, you know, laws would be changed. But I was telling someone the other day, you know, in, in all reality, I, I am more pro-life now than I've ever been, but how I go about wrestling with that issue is no longer on this larger systemic platform, right? I wrestle with it on the individual level and what I've seen in scripture, uh, because you know, as we've talked about, like what does scripture say about how we should relate to the government? There's not a ton in scripture. Like Jesus didn't beyond, you know, what, what is typically quoted in the, in the gospels, he didn't go into in depth. Like how do we address this specific right. issue on a governmental level? Right. Instead, he, he poured his time into addressing that issue on the individual mm-hmm. level. And I feel like over the last several decades, the, the, the church as a whole has moved beyond the individual, the neighbor. How do yes. we, how do I help my neighbor? How do I pour into the lives of those that God has put in my path? And instead we, we have played this all or nothing game mm-hmm. of if I can't get this policy enacted or this law overturned, then all hope is lost. Right. And so wh- where do we go now? If, if the, the American church has put their hope in a policy in a policy or a politician or a set of laws or, or getting so many Supreme courts or justices put, put on the Supreme court. Where do we go when we get what we want and nothing has still changed? Right. Well, and I think that's the lie. I think we think if Roe versus wave would reverse itself, America's great again. This is not true. I mean, when they made marijuana a Schedule One drug that was illegal, right? Now we see all these states reversing it because guess what? Marijuana didn't go away when it became a Schedule One drug, right? Marijuana was now an underground kind of system and it was dispersed. Now we have a major epidemic of opiate use and people are overdosing. We've never seen this level of overdoses in the history of mankind because drugs have gotten better and stronger and we we don't have self-control. And so people are killing themselves because of the lack of oxygen going to the brain. All of these things are happening and and the lie that the American church is telling itself is that if we change the law, everything will be better. It's just not true. The gospel doesn't work that way. If women want their right in abortion, they will gladly take it. They will choose it. And so where does it come to where we're at? And I think it comes to the spirit of Jesus where when the woman who was about to be stoned for a law that would have stoned her. These men that were around with their stone held up and ready to execute this woman for who she was, what did Jesus say? He put it back on them. Mm-hmm. He said, he, you, who have, you can cast this stone if you have no sin in, in your heart, no sin in your life. And everybody had to drop their stone and he exposed the log in their own eyes. And I think it really begins with us as American Christians reclaiming something that the gospel is very clear about is that you are the problem. 
I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. My brokenness is the problem. My idea of what life is all about is the problem. As long as I live and reign as king of my life and do what I want best, then I am never going to see the kingdom for what it is. I don't need Jesus as Lord. And so if I'm creating this Christianity, I know enough about the Bible, then I can be just as much king over my Christianity um, as I think Lord uh, Jesus is, but really Jesus has nothing to do that. And I think it comes down to us evaluating ourselves, evaluating our allegiances, evaluating our ideas of what the laws are of this country, um, that, that God's way, God's call to us is higher than the laws of even this, this land. And so it doesn't mean that we're not pro-life. But it definitely doesn't mean that my choice in voting for Donald Trump or Joe Biden, my choice doesn't show who I am in my faith. It's how I activate in the world and how I actually walk out life with the people in my neighborhood and the legislatures and how I do uh, rub shoulders with politicians and lawyers and the barber and, and the forklift driver. All these things, how I live my life expresses what I believe, not my political choice. It's not the end all for me, but I think oftentimes us as Christians, we have made it the end all. We yeah. have made it. Well, and, and, and we, we set these very definitive parameters around if you do not believe in this issue or you do not follow this specific political party, then you must not be a Christian, right? You must not be saved because how could you allow this abomination and this sin right. to continue? And the right. question that we have to ask is not how can we allow that policy or law to continue, but what am I doing on an individual level yes. to not just address that issue with those around me, but what am I doing to address those issues in my own life? Right. And, and that's what Jesus, I think, was, was navigating. He didn't try to... So there was this, this broken, unjust law that would allow legally these men to stone this woman. Jesus didn't go and, and, and try to create systemic change in that situation and, and, and take it before the government and lead a mass movement. Hey, we need to change this law, right? right? Instead, he got onto the personal level yep. and addressed those men and the sin in their own life. Now, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we want to have that turned around back on us, but as we get into this political season, as we are a day away from a very, very chaotic, controversial election, you know there are going to be people, Christians, on both sides of these issues. Yep. What is the message to them as the fallout of this election takes place? Honestly, I think it's Jesus would say, Evaluate your allegiance. Evaluate who you trust. Evaluate who you're trusting in for whatever happens. And we have to believe that as God warned the people of Israel, that power will always corrupt, that king, human kings will always be corrupt. They will always choose themselves. They will always have their own priorities. Then we have to believe that every president that ever serves in this nation, as long as I'm alive, is always going to take advantage of the power. They're never, they're, they're truly never going to live a kingdom agenda like Jesus did. And so it comes down to how I individually function within this government as a kingdom follower. And 
it, it starts with me repenting of how this government has taken hold of my life and has consumed my life and where it is my agenda to live for this government more than the kingdom that Jesus requires of us. How I, how I don't live uh, in, in equality for all, for men and women and black and white, Hispanic. It's us owning and repenting and lamenting over the fact that there is a systemic racism out there, that there are problems with immigration and how we welcome people, that I don't love my neighbor well, that I don't want the best for my neighbor. And in all those ways, how I live my life represents how I'm going to surrender to the king of the kingdom of God or the king of this world. And ultimately, I think it should. This exp, this election has exposed the deep need to walk out a deep rooted repentance in our own lives. To ask the hard questions: God, am I pursuing Your kingdom first, or am I pursuing the American kingdom first, the American ideology? And it should really it begins there, where then God meets us. And he reclaims us and he transforms us and he gives us new eyes to see our neighbor in love and not in hate. Gives us eyes to, to, to work within politics uh, to, to, for better change, but it's not the end all because there's a king who is who I'm, who, who, who I'm trusting, that, that he is sovereign over things. If I lose all of my rights uh, politically or religiously or whatever, that God is still sovereign and in that sovereignty, revival will happen. I think something we talked about was it's amazing the revival that happened in China where these Chinese believers are underground in this church and and there are hundreds and thousands of believers that are being activated uh, and are seeing true gospel transformation in their lives and in the communities that they're in, but they're not going at it to change the communism that they are oppressed by. They're, They're not. And God is using, in spite of the fact that they are in a political system that oppresses religious freedom, the gospel is being advanced more than ever. And maybe, maybe that's what has to happen in America for revival to happen. Maybe that's where God has to take us, where we are stripped of our rights of religious freedom, all to see how powerful and kingly Jesus is in this world. But it begins with repentance. It begins with me repenting of where I've created false gods in my life and turning to the true one and holy God who sent his son and allowing him to change us. Yeah, that's that's the stability. That's the constant peace that I think we need and the message of hope that we need after this election. Because, you know, at the end of the day, politicians are going to fail you. Yep. Laws are going to fail you. Yep. Policies will fail you. You've made the case very clearly that there there is no perfect government. There is no perfect leader that is coming. We don't get to choose the next King David. And even David was was a fallen man, <laughs> you know? But but we do have the peace and the joy that comes with knowing that there is a heavenly kingdom that will be installed someday. And there is a good, righteous, and just king who will rule over all. And so we don't have to fight this political battle. No. We have to fight the battle of our hearts yes. on this individual level. And so my, that's my prayer, that, that, that we start to have those conversations on a deeper level with ourselves and with those around us. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for this concluding conversation. We pray that God's name is made great in spite of what is happening in this election. We know 
that God is worthy of all our trust because he sent his son Jesus. And when we trust him, everything changes. We become more free, uh, more hope-filled, more peace-filled, and more joy-filled, all because God is in control of all of this. So pursue this election with a grain of salt. Participate in democracy, but remember who is king. So thanks for joining us today.